Well, if we have not had a chance to meet, my name is Dave, one of the pastors here, and uh, glad that you're here with us this morning. And uh, we are uh, wrapping up, we're concluding, as uh, we've already said, our series uh, in the book of Hebrews. And we've been walking through, um, as we like to do around here, line by line, verse by verse, uh, kind of paragraph by paragraph, uh, the book of Hebrews. So if uh, you're here today for the very first time ever, um, you know, we have all of our teaching and uh, you can find it, uh, audio version or, or video on our website and um, podcasts and usually like YouTube, that kind of stuff. You can find all of that if you're intrigued and want to kind of go back and listen. But for us, this has been, this is week number 19. So it's been, um, you know, a little over uh, three months that we've been kind of walking through this book together, uh, exploring and looking at, or four months rather, um, uh, almost five, uh, looking at these, uh, these, these, this book together and seeing um, this kind of consistent theme. And uh, one of the things that we've seen is we've been walking through kind of the overarching theme that we've said throughout, and we're going to see it kind of repeated today. So it's a great day to be here. But the theme that we've kind of seen throughout this is this, this truth right here. It's that Jesus is better, that Jesus is better. Jesus is better than our, uh, our, fo- our fears. Jesus is better than our, our, the hopes and dreams that you and I might uh, kind of come up with. Jesus is better than anything that this world might have to offer. And, and there's, we've seen just all the ways that Jesus is better throughout this, uh, this book uh, together. But as we get ready to conclude and kind of wrap up and look at these uh, sort of final words uh, from the author, I kind of want to give us this, uh, this picture kind of going into it. You know, I think one of the things that... Um, uh, you know, you've probably observed before, if you've ever seen the start of um, like a long race, like maybe a half marathon or marathon or something like that, there's usually those like elite runners, right? So there's those men or women that they, they kind of know that they're going to like finish at the front. And so they, you know, they'll stack them up there in the front so they don't have to pass everybody. And they kind of, kind of put that. But every once in a while, you know, you'll see that kind of crazy guy that kind of goes out. Usually it's a guy. I don't, I don't think, you know, I haven't seen a lot of women do that, though. I'm sure they have tried it as well. But, but there's like usually Usually one crazy guy that's like just he wants to be leading the pack for a little bit. Have you ever seen this, right? And uh, they 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 have no intention of being able to finish the race at this pace, but they they go out kind of as fast as they can, and uh, you know, and and, and kind of hold on for um, for for that. And if they can get a mile, like that's usually pretty good. I mean, especially if you're talking like elite runners, those guys are are kind of running that at a pretty pretty good clip. And so if you can even keep up with them for one mile, that's pretty pretty good. But but nobody looks back and. And, and kind of celebrates, you know, that first mile of the race, and no one's looking back, right? And 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 kind of is like, man, that was like a really strong first mile. Um, you you really did a great job uh, uh, doing that, right? Like when you're running a race, it's not so much what happens at the start, but as the saying goes, right, it's how you finish the race that counts. And I think the same is true uh, for us. You know, we've seen even in the book of Hebrews that the walk with Jesus, our Christian life, our, our life of following after Jesus, it doesn't really matter so much how it starts. A lot of us probably have, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have a unique story about how you began, how you came to Christ, how you first heard about Christ. And those early years, I'm sure there's some similarities, but I'm also sure there's quite a few differences. We know plenty of people that have begun following Jesus But the question is not so much how does it go at the beginning, but how do you finish following Jesus? How does that last for a lifetime? What does that look like um, going forward? And that is really what's on the heart of the author that's been writing to 
the people um, that receive this book of Hebrews. Uh, we've said many times throughout the series, if you've been coming for a while, you can probably hopefully give a summary as well as I can, maybe even better. But the, it's written to a group of believers that were discouraged, a little disenfranchised, considering giving up, walking away, throwing in the towel. And, and because there was persecution, there was difficulty, there was trials, they didn't quite understand. They're like, man, they're kind of looking back on some of the old ways that they used to do things. This is a group of Jewish believers, so they had grown up doing sacrifices and kind of going to the temple in certain ways. And so they're, they're looking back on, on that, and they're considering sort of turning to that. And the author is saying, listen, don't do that. Jesus is better. Like, don't give up. Don't stop now. Keep going, keep after it. Why? Because Jesus is better. And so the whole idea, the whole theme, the thrust that we've seen throughout this series has been, don't stop now, like finish well, continue on, stay with the Lord. It's worth it, he's worth it. It's better for you if you continue on. And so what we would say this morning is this, is that um, we're, as we kind of conclude, what we're going to see, I kind of titled this, uh, this morning's um, sermon, uh, Final Thoughts for Finishing Well. The author is wrapping up this letter, which actually reads more like a sermon. So maybe it first existed in sort of sermon, uh, sermon mode. We don't really know. But, but the author, we don't even know who the author is, right? But the author is writing... And he kind of gives these final thoughts all around the idea of like, don't, don't forget why I've been writing to you. This is how you finish well. And I've kind of grouped them into um, uh, what we're going to see is kind of three, three ways to finish well. Three uh, key things that need to be present if you're going to finish well. Three helps that God's given you in uh, finishing well. And so that's where we're uh, going with it this morning. Let me just pray and uh, we'll get into God's word together. God, we have uh, we've now prayed several times throughout this morning, Lord, and we are reminded even as we um, ask you, God, we have the ability to speak to you uh, in prayer, Lord, and you hear and you receive and you're working through our prayers. And so, God, my prayer now as we uh, turn to your word and we uh, conclude this study of this, this letter, this book, uh, God, that you would teach us something fresh uh, again this morning. And Lord, thank you for all the things that you've taught us throughout this series. Um, God, we have so uh, benefited and been encouraged and blessed and challenged, Lord, through, uh, through these themes. And so, Lord, we want to hear from you now. And so, God, we ask that you would speak, that you would teach us. And um, God, work in our hearts, we ask in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. All right. Well, uh, hopefully you've got uh, the uh, verse where we're going to begin. We're in Hebrews chapter 13, uh, beginning in verse 7. And uh, let me give you the point, um, and then I'll show it to you in God's word. Uh, the first way that you can finish well is this, is by following, uh, is to follow God's leaders. Follow God's leaders. Um, uh, we're going to read a couple verses. We're going to read verse 7, and then we're going to jump down to verse 17 to kind of continue the theme. But verse 7 says this, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you, to you the word of God, Consider the outcome of the way, their way of life and imitate their faith. Now let's jump down to verse uh, 17. It says, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. 
one of the helps, one of the ways that God has uh, equipped us and given us in the church uh, is leaders. And we're talking here about godly uh, leaders. These are men and women that have been entrusted to lead us in our faith. And it says here to remember your leaders. Again, these are kind of final thoughts for finishing well. Um, It's interesting, like there hasn't been much speaking or talking about leaders throughout this book until these kind of final words. And I think think there's a reason for that. I think he wants to kind of, um, you know, he's been kind of presenting a point, kind of teaching the truth. And then he's like, don't forget one of the resources, one of the helps that God has given you in this is he has called uh, certain men, certain women to lead you in your following of Jesus. And so let's kind of unpack this. What does it mean to uh, follow our leaders? Well, first, I think we should try to define who are the leaders. There's a couple things that we see here. Uh, It says, remember your leaders, and then it kind of clarifies those who spoke the word of God to you. Okay, so it's not in this context, it's not just speaking to kind of generally any leader. You know, maybe you've been on a a team before and you had a coach. Maybe you um, have, you know, at your place of employment, you have a boss or a manager or uh, someone that you report to. We certainly have government leaders at various levels. So there's, there's people that lead us, but this is specifically leaders within the church and even more specifically leaders who, who do what? Who speak the word of God to you. See, I don't know about you, but I'm not super interested in um, a leader within the church who doesn't know and handle and speak the word of God. Uh, That should be a qualifying characteristic. If you're being led by somebody in your faith, they should know and handle and use the word of God uh, to encourage and to uh, challenge you. That is one of the things, one of the tools, primary tools that we have been given. And so you want to follow leaders that are speaking the word of God. I heard it said uh, this way, you know, there's not a lot of good. I don't have a ton of uh, interest in, you know, a... um a mailman who never gets in a mail truck or a uh, chef who never steps foot in the kitchen. Um, you know, you should have no, not a ton of interest in a leader who doesn't speak, a leader in the church who doesn't speak or know, handle the word of God uh, with you. And so that's kind of the first thing that you see here. Uh, the second thing is, um, if you skip down to verse 17, it says, obey your leaders and submit to them. Why? It says, for they're keeping watch over your souls. Those who will have to give an account for you. I don't know if you often think of this, but um, there are men, there are women here in this church who are burdened for your soul. They feel entrusted by God to watch over you and to care for you. And if I'm speaking personally, personally, I feel the weight and the burden of that. And that's a heavy thing, right? I wish there were some verses that you can kind of skip over, but like, it's not like, you know, uh, being a pastor isn't all like the, the glamorous kind of thing that you might think it is at, at times. I know, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you think I do. My kids, they, they sometimes ask me, they're like, what do you do all week, Dad? Like, what, you know, and it's like, I, I, I think they're convinced I just have meetings. And uh, primarily, if it can exist around food, then they think that, you know, I just, I go out to lunch to cool places with people is what they, they think I do. And, but I tell them all the time, I said, no, I, like, as a pastor, my, my job is to care for and shepherd people. Like, I'm, I'm trying to point you toward Jesus. I'm trying to direct you toward the hope that's found in the gospel. And so I'm going to have to someday give account for how in this church we've handled the word of God, how we've structured our ministries and our programs, and how we have uh, sought to be a witness 
and uh, a light here in this community. And, you know, I need to give account for how I'm shepherding the souls of this church. I don't know if we often kind of think in this regard, but this is what godly leaders are called to do. And so, you know, I think we live in a day and age of individualism, right? But we're called to be accountable to one another, and we're called to be accountable to some leaders. Now, that gets abused, certainly. And we're going to kind of touch on that here in a second. But that, that like, that is, the, 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 the idea is that there's godly men, godly women that are leading you and that they are pointing you toward Jesus. And so what is, how do we then follow these leaders? Well, there's several things we see here. Maybe you want to kind of jot these down, but you're free. the first thing is remember your leaders, right? I think the idea here is maybe those leaders who have gone before, kind of, you kind of get the sense that maybe they're not around anymore. So maybe there's some men or women that have, have passed away who have died. And, and, and so he's saying, remember those that spoke the word of God to you, those that have gone before. So we remember, we think about, we, we look at the leaders. And what do we do is we remember, well, we consider the outcome of their way of life. Like you look at you look at how they're living and how they're handling uh, situations, how they're handling the word of God. You, you kind of see what are they doing in these situations. And then after you've remembered and you consider, then it says, imitate their faith. Paul said this to those that were following. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. Now, any leader that is worth their salt should be able to say similar words. Now, that's kind of weighty stuff, but follow me as I follow Christ. And I've always sought to do that. I've sought to live in a way. And I'll be the first to admit that I am not, and none of your leaders here at this church, like if you think that you have found a church with perfect leaders, um, you might want to keep your search going, okay? Because what you're going to find as you get to know and as you get to uh, follow leaders, the more you get to know me, you're going to see, man, uh, Pastor Dave is, is, is not exactly perfect. In fact, you're going to find that he's far from perfect, and so what do you do when you start seeing imperfections in the leaders that you are following? We go find a different leader, right? Like you're like, well, let's go find a different one. No, that's not what he's saying. When you find those imperfections, what you do is you then pray for and you show grace and you look to, as it says here, the next, we're gonna get to this, but Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Know that Jesus Christ is over the leadership of the church. Ultimately, he is the perfect leader that we are all following in that. And so we've been entrusted to imperfect leaders in that. And so as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, we sharpen each other in that. I hope and pray, you know, should as long as the Lord allows me to serve in this way and in this church in five years, 10 years from now, that I'm not the leader I am today, that I continue to grow closer to Jesus, right? That there's things that I wrestle with now that I'm no longer wrestling with. But here's the news is that I'm still gonna have new things that I'm gonna wrestle with as well. So in this church, who are the leaders that we're following? Well, we have, we have pastors. Uh, there's myself and, and, uh, and Jeff serving the role of pastor. We also wear the hat of elder, and so um, there's elders. We have a lay team of elders. There's uh, uh, Stan and Eric and, and Stephen that serve on the elder team. Um, we have um, uh, wives along with that that are serving in leadership roles and leadership positions and, and giving uh, insight and, and direction over ministries. We have um, people serving in the role of deacons. We have people that are uh, small group leaders or ministry team leaders. Those would all kind of qualify. And so maybe you've been reading this and you're like leading a ministry, you're leading a small group and you're like, man, I'm sure glad I don't have to kind of do that. This is you too. Like you are entrusted with these souls. That's why for us, when we like 
have someone that comes, a small group leader, we see that as you are now giving account for the way that you're shepherding this group. We see it, take it very seriously. And so what do we do? We consider, we remember, and then we imitate. We look after, and how am we doing that? I would encourage you, if you don't have somebody in your life that you're imitating your life after, that you know that you're following, to do that. And do that in a variety of areas. Find a parent that you really respect. If you're raising kids, find a parent that you can follow. If you're newly married or you're beginning a relationship and you want to kind of see what that looks like, find that. If you're kind of starting off in a new business or you're trying to grow in your kind of workplace influence, find a godly business leader within the church and imitate them. If you're um, kind of later in life and now you're in this new phase and you're trying to figure out what does it mean to be an empty nester? What does it look like to, 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 to uh, like steward my retirement well? Find someone who's a few steps further and imitate their way of life in that. See, we have this gift, this blessing within the church as we follow godly leaders. But it's not just remembering, not just considering, not just imitating, but it uses this word, skip down again to 17. It says, obey your leaders and submit to them. Now, you have to couple this with everything else that's said in Scripture. We see in 1 Peter that elders in particular are called to lead in a not domineering way, right? We don't uh, you know, just beat with a club, you know, use the word of God or kind of instruct in that way, but gently as a loving shepherd would guide the sheep toward you know, the right pasture, the right place, the, you know, away from danger. So as your leaders, as your pastors, as your elders, as your small group leaders try to lead you, then you obey them and you submit to them. Man, if there's one verse that we kind of struggle with or at times might want to buck, it might be this verse right here. Right, like again, this has fallen on hard times. And some of you, I realize, I recognize, some of you maybe come from a situation where you have seen this abused, right? And, and it's wrong. Men or women in the church have abused their role of leadership and said, well, you just need to listen to me because you know, this is the way it is or this is that kind of thing. And that's not, it doesn't, it's kind of carte blanche, like you know, sort of free, free ride over whatever you want. It's like, no, as they are speaking the word of God to you, right? As they are, are, they are gently leading and shepherding you, therefore then you submit and you obey. Why? Because they're keeping watch over your souls. They have to give an account. Notice how we submit. How do we obey? It says, let them do this with joy, right? You need to follow in a way that allows your leaders to lead you with joy, and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. I have this running joke, you know, I get as, a, as an opportunity, um, you know, I hang out with pastors now and again and go to conferences or different things like that. And I love it because, you know, if you ask any pastor, like, where do you want your congregation sitting? They will say, like, you know, in the front, like, you know, like dialed in, kind of going. And I recognize some of you don't want to be, like, kind of on camera, so we kind of leave this little hole there. I know how it works, okay? We're, we're trying to tighten up that shot and kind of make it more, you know, but I know why this is kind of left here. If you like being on camera, these are your seats right here, okay? Like, this is the splash zone, okay? So this is, this is where the action is, right? But pastors, they want people up front. But what but you notice is like people usually come in, they'll sit on the edge, they'll sit in the back, they'll kind of do that. We don't do this anywhere else, by the way, right? Like you never go to a concert or a sporting event and you're like, you know what, I really want the back corner. Like that's what I'm kind of after, you know, in this. It's only a church. But anyways, so pastors, you talk to any pastor, you're like, where do you want your congregation sitting? And they'll be like, up front, you know, in the center, like right there, you know, ready to go. Well, you go to a conference, and what do you see? The pastors are on the aisle, in the back, like they're doing that. And so I have this phrase that I've said for years, like be the follower that you want to lead. 
right? Be the follower that you want to lead. And so I love it when I see, you know, Bible open, like pen in hand, nodding, kind of following along, engaged in it. So every time I'm sitting there listening to someone teach, I try not to be on my phone, kind of doing, you know, work and that sort of thing. I try and like be engaged and sort of dialed in and, and I try and sit like I'll, I'll even sit up front kind of as much as I don't want to do that either. You know, I'll, I'll try and do that. Why? Because I want to be a follower that is a blessing to lead. Some of you have been in a leadership role and you know exactly what it's like to have that leader that is so hard to lead, right? Like, like you, <laughs> it says, let them do that with joy and not with groaning. If we're honest, sometimes there are people that we try to lead that create groaning, right? Not grumbling, but groaning. It's like, oh, they're so difficult sometimes, right? Like that's kind of the idea, but it says, no, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't follow in such a way that it creates that, but be a blessing, be a joy. That would be of no advantage to you, right? It's not helpful to be a difficult follower. What I've found is that for the most part, as I meet with people and sometimes, you know, there's like maybe a difference of opinion or kind of sorting through some things or at the end of the day, oftentimes we have kind of the same end goal, right? We want to see people closer to Jesus. We want to see, you know, good communication. We want to see good understanding or sort of that. And like, sometimes it takes a little bit to get there, but man, the meetings go so different. We kind of come and like, hey, I kind of see this. I just want to hear your thoughts. Like, how can we do this better? Like, I just, I want to be a blessing and kind of, and like, it's amazing. Like there can be issues that we can work through in a very kind of different way. Or when a leader kind of takes that bold step and comes to you with maybe a, a corrective or sort of directive word, like, hey, I kind of see this in you. I want to kind of call this out. Like, how do you receive that? Like real talk for a second. Like, can we just be honest? Are you quick to receive correction, exhortation from those who have been put in a place of leadership over you? Are you willing to hear that? Because my guess is that if there's a leader, a godly leader, right, man or woman that's coming to you, and they're with gentleness, speaking truth from the word of God, they've probably spent some time praying, thinking, considering how to best present that to you, and they're doing it out of love. Like, not always, right? But but Lord willing, here at this church, we want to be committed to that. That's how we want to lead. And so the question is, is how are we responding to that when that happens? Are you responding with grace, with an understanding, willing ear to hear? Because it says that we are to do that. And not just to obey and submit, but what does it also say? Here, there's a, such a difference in the way that you're led if you kind of take this to heart. It says, pray for us. For we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you all the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. The idea here is the leader wasn't there. He's like, hey, I'm not there. I want to be there. Can you pray for us? Do you pray for your leaders? I would humbly ask, and it's a humble ask for sure, that you would pray for me, that you would pray for my family, that you would pray for my diligence to follow the Lord, my understanding of God's word, my willingness to lead with courage and with boldness, that you would pray the same for our pastors, for our elders, for, for the families, for the children, that God would protect, that he would help us to keep the faith, that we wouldn't be distracted or discouraged by those things around us, that we would flee from sin when it comes at us. 
See, I'm, I'm convinced of this. The more that you pray for those leaders, the more that you will be able to be led by them. I would ask that you pray for us regularly. And there's been times, and this isn't like a brand new thing, but there's been times that, that your prayers have been such a blessing and such a help to us. We've experienced and seen the result or the fruit of times that are praying. There's been times I've been in like kind of dealing with a tough thing or kind of sorting through something. That was, and I get a text like, hey, I just wanna let you know I was praying for you. Such an encouragement, right? Such a reminder that God is providing what is needed. And so we pray for the leaders. This is how we follow God's leaders. If you wanna finish well, one of the ways that you finish well is use the tool that God has given you and lean into, follow, listen, submit, imitate the leaders, the men and women that God has placed to lead you in your walk with Jesus. That's the first one. Look at the second one. Let's kind of go back a little bit. We skipped over. Um, the author didn't, didn't want to miss one more chance to pound that nail one more time, right? This is the nail he's been pounding throughout this letter, and it's this. It's that you would worship God's son, that you would worship God's son, it says there in verse eight, some of you know this verse, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. See, here's the truth, is that your leaders might change, your leaders might fall short, your leaders might not make it, but Jesus never changes. He is always good. He is always leading rightly, and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It goes on to say in verse nine, do not be led away by diverse and strange teaching, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have benefited those who devoted to them. We have an altar from those who, uh, which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood was brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Again, the author here is kind of pounding that nail. Jesus is better right? We saw in chapter one that Jesus is better than the prophets. We saw that Jesus is better than the angels. We saw that Jesus is better than Moses, that Jesus is better than the uh, command given by Joshua, that Jesus is better than the, the rest that was offered by the land. Jesus is a better sacrifice. Jesus is a better high priest. Jesus is, offers a better covenant. Um, Jesus offers a better way. And all of these things have been building. And what he's saying here is that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And isn't that such an encouraging truth, right? Like your leaders might change. You might see, you might see the, the inconsistency at times in them, but Jesus never does. Aren't we so thankful for that? Like, I don't know about you. I feel like everything around us is changing at a more and more rapid rate. Uh, I had a computer um, in the church that broke down the other day. It was one of the computers that we got like right when the church was launching. So it's like six years old, maybe a little bit older. And we went in and tried to get it fixed. And they're like, oh, this thing's like six years old. I'm like, yeah, what does that mean? Oh, yeah, you don't really, we don't fix these. You just kind of like turn this in and get a new one. I'm like, no, like that's not, 
No, it's like it should last longer than six years. Like I'm not, we're not getting a new one. We're fixing this one, okay? Like we're we're gonna we're gonna get some more life out of this thing, right? I didn't know when computers became disposable. Like we're we're kind of going through those. Those are supposed to last for a little while. And uh, you know, I don't know about you, but every time I kind of turn on, um, you know, I jump on Zoom. It's got like some update, right? I'm like now I'm two minutes later for that meeting because I of course wasn't getting on early enough. So it's got to update. I, I turn on the printer this morning. It says like, oh, there's a new firmware. You gotta you like do that like. My phone, every time it's got like new update, new apps, new things, and then that new phone comes out. Like all these things, right? Always upgrading, always kind of new, always sort of getting revamped and all of that thing. Here's the thing. Jesus never needs updating, refreshing, like reloading, all of that. Jesus is the same. He's as good as he was yesterday, as he is today, as he will be forever. You see, Jesus is the same. He is the Savior. He is the answer. He was the answer and the hope that was needed then for the Hebrews. He's the answer and the hope that we need now today. And listen, as much time as passes, like at whatever age you're in, you're in your 20s, Jesus is the answer that you need. You get to your 30s, Jesus is the answer that you need. You get to your 40s, your 50s, you're at the end of your life. Jesus is still the answer that you need. And I'm not saying the 50s is the end. I'm just skipping ahead, okay? I know some of you. I saw the wheels turning. You're like, wait a second. He didn't go very far. 70s, 80s, 90s. Man, if any of us make it to triple digits, Jesus is still the answer that you need, okay? Like, Jesus is the same. And so there's not going to be a new addition, like a new upgrade that's going to come out. And this is the nail that he has been pounding over and over again throughout this lesson. And listen, if you walk away, if you walk away with one thing today, remember this, that Jesus is worthy of your worship because he is the same. He is the savior. He is worthy of it. He speaks specifically here, verse nine, it says, do not be led away by these strange and diverse teachings. Apparently, there was some you know, desire to go back to some of these covenantal laws, right? Some of the food that they were eating. And he says, listen, we don't have food that like, you know, is served at an altar and that some have the right to eat or whatever. We have a spiritual food that God has given. Following Jesus is not a physical thing, okay? It's not about like where you are and what you do. Those things matter, but that's not where your faith lies. Your faith is in your heart. It's your, it's your attitude. It's the things that God is doing inside of you. It's a spiritual thing. And he's saying, he says, listen, he's like, this is a whole bit. It's kind of, if you get, if you've been with us, this doesn't sound too foreign to us. It might sound a little weird if this is your first time with us, but the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice are burned outside the camp. He's like the refuse, right? The bodies were taken out, but where was Jesus crucified? Outside. He's like, who are we to go back into that temple and try and hang out here? This is where Jesus was. So he's like, let us go also outside the city. We're not gonna find it in the temple. We're not gonna find it in the way that it was of old. We're gonna find it where Jesus is. And for there, we'll find that lasting city. There we'll find what is to come. But let's really dial in on verses 15 and 16 because I think this is most helpful to us. It says, through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lip that acknowledges his name. How do we respond when we understand the greatness of Jesus? When we understand that Jesus is better, we respond with an offer of sacrifice of praise. How do we offer a sacrifice? What do an acceptable act of worship look like? It says here, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For these are the sacrifices, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. You have been called to do good and to share what you have. What do you have? What can you bring God? Well, one of the ways that we kind of stated around here is you have time, 
right? All of us have time. We have hours in the day. All of us have the same amount of time. All of us have the same 24 hours every single day. We have time. So how are we using our time as a sacrifice to the Lord? We also have talents, right? God has wired you and given you some unique abilities. He's, he's given you passions. He's, he's made you the way that you are. And how are you using that? How are you stewarding that for his kingdom? How are you using those passions and those talents and those gifts and those skills? How are you using that for him? And then we have treasure, right? We have varying amounts, but we have financial resources. We have stuff. We have things. How are we using our homes? How are we using our cars? How are we using our resources? How are we using our money for the building up the kingdom of God? See, it says, do not neglect what to do good and share what you have. What do you have? You have time, talent, and treasure. How are you using this? Because such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Listen, we've said before that um, we don't serve God or obey God to be saved, but save people, respond out of obedience and service, right? If we've been changed by Jesus, then our natural response is gonna be one to serve him and to do that generously, Right? This is what we see. And so we worship God's son. We follow God's leaders. We worship God's son. Notice this. Um, it's really helpful when you kind of understand, um, you know, the fruit of the lips that acknowledge his name. You know, as we sing, we're, we're offering up this fruit of the lips, right? We're, we're singing in praise. That's part of that, but there's so much more in that. But we worship the son of God in this. Let's get to the last one. I want to show it to you here. It comes out of this great benediction. And, and that is this, is that we would participate in God's working. How do we finish well? We follow God's leaders. We worship God's son. We participate in God's working. Verse 20 says this. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good, that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing to his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then some final words to uh, the people there. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, right? Listen to what I've said, for I've written to you briefly. Some of you are like, that's not brief, but it, yeah, briefly. You should, it's taken us 19 weeks, but you should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all the leaders and all the saints and those who come from Italy, send you greetings. Grace be with you all of you. You see the care and concern from this leader. I want to drill in, though, on verses 20 and 21 specifically here. There's this benediction, this kind of prayer, this final exhortation, this final word. And what he's saying is, hey, continue to participate in God's working. If I can restate what he said, let me just give you a sentence here. If you kind of take all that and boil it down, this is what he's saying here in those last two verses. It's this, God is a peace-giving, caring shepherd, and covenant keeper, who is equipping and working in you through Jesus for the glory of his name. God's a peace-giving, caring shepherd, covenant keeper, who is equipping and working in you through Jesus to the glory of his name. A couple things I just want to highlight there. It says, not only the God of peace, he's a peace giver. Do you know that God gives and brings peace? One of the things that you and I most desperately need, the word that is used in the Hebrew Bible is shalom. We need peace in our lives, right? Sin has broken that peace. Sin has brought a separation with God. God has brought peace and restored it through his son, Jesus. He brings peace. 
you think about some of the things that most trouble you, right? Like you would describe as anxiety or anxiousness or worry, doubt, concern, fear, right? What's the antidote to all that? That you would have peace. How many of us, who in this room doesn't want peace? Peace in the trials, peace in the situation, peace in uncertainty. And it says here, may the God of peace, he's the one who's not only has peace, but he gives peace. He gives peace. Let me show you a couple verses. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, for I know the plans I have for you. Some of you have this memorized. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Do you know what the word used there for welfare is? Oh, can we throw that verse up there? Sorry. Oh, we don't have it? It's the next one. 29, 11, oh, 1911, gotcha. That's very different than that. We don't have it. She's right. Who am I to question? I was like, I can see. Oh, there's a one, not a two there. Gotcha. I'm like, I see it right there. Yeah. That's not helpful. All right. So Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare. What is welfare? Welfare, that word there is shalom. It's plans for peace. Jesus said this. We do have this one, right? John 14, 11. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you, right? Jesus brought something different. What did he bring? He says, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He left his peace. God brings peace. So he is the giver of peace. And he brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus? He's the great shepherd of the sheep. He is our peace-giving, caring shepherd. What does a shepherd do? A shepherd cares for the sheep. What does Jesus do for us? He cares for us. He leads us to those paths of righteousness. He leads us by still waters. He leads us to green pastures. He restores our soul. He is the shepherd of our soul. He's the great shepherd of the sheep. He's caring for us. This comes as a balm to the uh, wounds, to the pains that they were feeling, right? How good is it to know that God has not forsaken you? He hasn't abandoned you. The trial, the difficulty, the persecution they were facing, God is still here, right? He is a shepherd of his sheep. He is walking with you in this. Some of you, you need to be reminded of that, that God is a shepherd leading you, walking with you, caring for you. By the blood of the eternal covenant, he is a covenant keeper, Right? This covenant does not have an expiration date. There's nothing that can come against it. If you have been bought with the blood of Jesus, if you have placed your trust, your faith, and you can respond in faith even today, some of you maybe need to respond in faith today that Jesus is better, that he is enough, that his blood offers forgiveness. It says by the blood of that eternal covenant, he keeps his covenant with those whom he has sealed. He will not lose. He's a covenant keeper. There are times, there are days that we might be tempted to walk away, but know this, that Jesus never will. He will never abandon. God will never walk away from you in this. If you are his, then you are in him, and he will not leave or forsake you. But what's he doing? He's equipping you, and he's working in you. He's equipping you with everything good. Do you know that Jesus is working you? He's building you up? You don't have everything that you need yet. You know what equipping, that, that idea is perfecting, mending, improving, growing. That's what he's doing. He's equipping you. You're like, man, I just don't feel like I have it yet. You don't. He's still equipping you. He's still growing that. He's working in us that which is pleasing. Why? So that he will receive 
glory. Through Christ, he is at work in you. Can I just encourage you with that as we get to the end of this book here, that Jesus is at work in you and he wants to do some great things through you. Jesus is working in you so that he can work through you. He's not just, you are not like a, uh, just the end of it. The things that he's doing in you, he desires to then do more through you. He wants to use you to point others to him. What did Jesus say as he left his father? He says, you will be my witnesses, right? He says, go make disciples. Teach them to observe all that I've commanded. We have been called and we are on mission together, church. And so this is the idea that's being said here is that we would, that we would participate in God's work. And this isn't something that we just kind of sit back and that we sort of let, wait for God to do it, but we participate in it. So I would just ask you this, like look back at your notes, kind of review over the next week. Like what is some things that God has taught you in this and how can you participate in that? Like where are some areas that he's trying to press in, that he's trying to grow? Where is your heart tempted to maybe wander? Or where's your heart tempted to sort of lead away that you think something else might fulfill or something else might offer and come back to him and understand that he is the one who's equipping. He's the one that's working to what? That you may do his will. His will is that you would know him, that you would grow in him, that you would find your joy, your hope, your all in him. That is his will for you. The will of God gets a lot of airtime. There's a lot of like specific, like I don't know what, what, he, what job he wants you to do. I don't know who he wants you to marry. I don't know what city you're supposed to live in, but I do know this. I know that he wants you to be close to him. And he wants you to follow him. And he wants you to find all that you need in him. That is his will for you. None of us should have any question about God's will for our life. That is his will. Wherever you're at, he loves you. He cares for you. Jesus is better. Let's pray. God, we thank you for all that you've taught us, all that you've shown us throughout this series together. Lord, this book, as we've journeyed through it, Lord, you have reminded us that you are worthy of all of our worship. God, would this be the refrain that we walk away remembering? God, that you are the peace-giving, caring shepherd, God, covenant keeper, and that you are at work in us. Lord, at times we Maybe want that work to go quicker or we want that work to look a certain way, but God, would you just remind us that you are still at work and God, that you're doing all that you would have uh, to do in us. And Lord, we wanna join with you. Lord, we wanna finish well. We wanna hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. God, we know in Christ that you are not on the sidelines just encouraging or coaching, but God, you are equipping, you are uh, filling us uh, with your power and work. God, we ask this, we give this to you. Um, Lord, would you uh, just remind us of this truth, we pray in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.